Holy Spirit, that you would just be with me, be with each and every one of us. I pray that you fill us, forgive us of our sins like only you can do. Declare us to be righteous in your presence. You are he that walks through the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So I pray that you will walk through the midst of this building. And Lord, sprinkle your blood upon each and every one of us and declare us to be clean. Declare us, Lord Father, to be fit for your Holy Spirit. And then pour them all out over each and every one of us to where our cup runs over. And even when we get home, Lord Father, the presence is there with us. So just have your way today in this message, Lord Father, no doubt. No doubt, Lord. And just um, let a peace come over each and every one of us, Lord. And, and let this message hit home. Because whatever it is that you want to do in our lives, Lord Father, we can't doubt. And uh, so you can have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 11, beginning at verse 20. Don't have no doubt in your heart. Remember we used to say that growing up. Remember somebody said, yo, man, you going to be there? No doubt. Ain't no doubt. Ain't no doubt about it. You know, so even when we're walking with the Lord, when he says, are you going to do what I say? No doubt. No doubt. And, uh, and I believe that he's going to take each and every one of us to a place to where he has to get rid of doubt and fear and anxiety and stress and all that for us to know that he is God. And those that come to God must first believe that he is and he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Amen. And it reads here, it says, In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have what he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you and your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. All right? Now, these scriptures, we're going to go over and over and over these, again these scriptures as long as we're alive. All right? We don't need any new scriptures. <laughs> we don't. We got a whole bunch. And I tell you, before there was a thing called the New Testament, they had the Torah or teaching and instruction. That's all Elijah had. Five books. And you know what? He made out really good. A guy named uh, Joshua only had five books. And you know what? He made out pretty good. You know, Sister Sheila talked about Rahab. All she had was what? Five books. She made out really good. So we begin to look at this thing here. And of course, you know about the little tree. It wasn't bearing any fruit. And Jesus came up and said, man, this thing ain't doing nothing. Are you serious right now? God shows up to the place where he, uh, uh, he made, made everything. Everything should be doing exactly what he says. And he came to this tree. And for some unapparent reason, this tree was not performing in the manner in which it should. So he cursed that tree. And when they came back by, they were like, man, that tree is gone. And imagine walking with God and he's not walking around like you and I. You know, we talk a good game, but what we speak just doesn't match up with what goes on in our life. But according to scripture, we can get there 
because he's given us the key. He's talking to his disciples. First, he shows us something. And then he begins to talk to us about it. And Peter uh, says, Master, you know, what's going on? And he says, have faith in God. Don't have faith in ourselves because we realize how limitless we are. You have to look in the mirror and realize who you are and what you are and what is man that God is so mindful of him. All right. We are just like grass. One minute we're there, the next minute we're gone. We don't have the power to change anything, let alone our clothes. That's about all we got the power to do. Put gas in the car, brush our teeth. But everything else, you and I don't have the power to do that. So he says we have to, just like Habakkuk says, that the just shall live their life by faith. For by it, the elders, or the ones that we read about, and we read their testimonies and how powerful their testimonies are, and we're like, man, I want that happening in my life. Not to brag or to boast to somebody, but there are people that we care about. There's desires. He starts to talk about desires in here or dreams or visions and things that you want to see happen. Not Most of the time, it's not for ourselves, but as you get older, your heart goes out to the people in your family or your neighbors or people that you're close to, and you want to see things change, all right? Mm-hmm. And he starts to talk about these little things. He said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Now, we know the mountain, ain't nobody really was worried about that physical mountain that he was looking at. But there are mountains in our life that you and I need to be removed. Yes, we do. There are mountains. I don't know what the mountain could be in your life. I kind of thinking about the mountains that are in my life. And I need some of these mountains to get up out of the way. So I've got work to do. And he starts to talk to us about work and what it's going to take for you and I to get to this place. All right. Now, if you look at Second Kings chapter one. And if you don't want to switch over, you don't have to. But I was thinking about what he talks to Peter about. He says that if a man, you know, has faith in God and uh, what does he say here? Um, And has no doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. It makes me think about a lot of the testimonies of the brothers and sisters that we read about. And I was thinking about Elijah since we've been on here in the past couple of weeks. And you can't help but look at, you know, Second Kings chapter one here. And this incident that goes on with this king, Elijah already um, had his pity party. And sometimes we will have it. And the Lord already had him go anoint Elisha and all those different things. All right. And it says there's then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Akron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, he said, Arise or go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Baalzebub, the God of Ekron? 
Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, you shall not come down from that bed on which you are gone up, but shall surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, why are you now turned back? And they said unto him, there came a man up to meet us and said unto us, go, turn again unto the king that sent you and say unto him, thus saith the Lord, is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you send to inquire of Baals above the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from the bed on which you are gone up, but shall surely die. And he said unto them, what manner of man was he which came up to meet you? And they told and told you these words. And they answered him and said, he was a hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tisbite. Then the king sent unto him a captain of 50 uh, with his 50. And he went up to meet him. Behold, he sat on the top of a hill and he spake unto him, thou man of God, the king has said, come down. Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and your 50. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Again, also he sent unto him another captain of 50 with his 50. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, thus saith the king, come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto him, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. And there fire, uh, the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Literally, the same God that is talking to Elijah is the same God over here in Matthew chapter 11 that is giving you and I the key to living this type of life. This is the type of life that Habakkuk talks about. This is the type of life that Yahashua is talking about here. He says, if you have faith and don't doubt in your heart, then whatever it is that you are asking the Lord for is going to happen. But how do you and I get to this place? Because we haven't hung around Elijah. We haven't hung around Moses. We haven't hung around David. We haven't hung around these great men of God. But when you read about them, one thing that's common about Jesus, Yahashua, uh, John the Baptist, and all these men that came before us, and all these great women that came before us, the thing that was in common with them, he says, therefore I say unto thee, whatsoever you desire when you pray, that's the key right there. Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, what do you desire when you pray? He doesn't say, what do you desire when you go to eat? What do you desire when you listen to gospel music? What do you desire when you're doing X, Y, and Z? He says, whatsoever you desire when you pray. And every single time you look at these men's life, they spent like Daniel three times a day. Peter, three times a day. They would be in prayer. They learned this from being around uh, the Mashiach. They watched him pray. Oftentimes he had to get away to pray, but oftentimes you and I are not getting away to pray. And even though we may pray twice a day, 6 a.m. and 9 p.m., the Lord, the Holy Spirit is trying to show us that there still needs to be more prayer going on to the point where the relationship between the Most High God and you and I is like the relationship between Abraham and the Lord. Shall I withhold from my friend Abraham? All of us don't have a lot of friends anymore. But we know what it is to have a friend that sticks closer than a brother or a sister, right? 
You know what it's like to have a good friend that when you call him on the phone, it's like you didn't, like you were just talking yesterday. And you just pick up where you left off and it's such a great, man, I'm going to get with you next time. Boy, you crazy. Imagine having that relationship with the Most High God to where he calls Abraham friend. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or he is the Lord our God, like it says uh, in Micah, he changes not. So he desires to have a relationship with you and I, like the relationship that Joshua uh, found out when Moses left the tent of meeting, but Joshua stayed in there. Something happened that day in prayer that changed Joshua's life long before God calls you and I to go do something. We have to have a committed life of prayer. We have to call upon his name. And when you have a committed life of prayer, people will begin to come to you and start asking you to pray. So he says, therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. So the power starts in our prayer life. Whatever it is that you and I are dealing with. And I believe when we look at the previous chapters of Elijah's life, one of the things that he dealt with was what? Fear and doubt. Yes, man. When Jezebel said, you know what? I'm going to kill you. He took off running. But he had, listen, that whole meeting he had with God is the same meeting that you and I can have with God too. We have to come to terms or come to grips with some things because Jesus tells anybody following him, yo man, take up your cross too. Elijah didn't want to take up the cross. I don't care how much of a man of God he was. That was a place he didn't want to die. And you and I, sometimes whatever overcomes us, we do not want that. We don't want that smoke. We don't want it. We try to shy away from it and try to talk with our mouths and try to puff ourselves up bigger than what we are. But we don't want that. We don't want whatever's coming down the pike. And if you and I make this decision to walk with our God, oh, it's so funny. They got this little clip of the little girl and she's talking about Martin Luther King. And the mother's like, what do you know about Martin Luther King? And it's so funny because he said he died for our sins. And the mother's like, what? and they just cut it. <laughs> Jesus said, whatever they did to me, they're going to do to you too. Mm-hmm. And believers don't want that walk. Right. Because, listen, the devil hasn't went no place. And he still has people out here worshiping him. And they can't stand a man or a woman of God. They can't, and listen, they always killed the prophets. They always killed his children. Always. That's the whole message um, that when you read about how he went and had this little vineyard. But anyway, back to this whole thing. Elijah didn't want that smoke. But after Elijah got into a deeper prayer life, after he sought the Lord after a while, what was his desire and there is a difference between the Elijah that ran a couple of chapters before and the Elijah that now is sitting on a hill. <laughs> you know how you say, here I be, here where I am. What you need? When you stand on a hill, you say, here I am, I ain't running. I ain't running. It's 2023, I ain't running. I ain't going nowhere. Bring, bring whatever you got to bring. And sitting, listen, and what he prayed to the Lord about in his prayer closet. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? 
He says, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have it. So when you and I begin to go into our prayer closet and begin not just confessing our sins, but confessing our fears and our worries, our anxieties, also what we want to see happen. I am your child, Lord. I want to speak the way you speak. I want to have the faith that you have. Jesus is not telling the disciples this so that they could just be like, wow, and Jesus is the only one that has it. He is trying to raise up, like Sheila said this morning, another Jesus that lives inside of you and I. That's what he wants. I got to go, he says, but I'm giving you my spirit and the spirit should have you and I thinking, talking, responding, acting, seeing things the way that Jesus does and decreeing things that Jesus did in our families. And we don't have to be helpless. We don't have to watch another generation go down the drain because we can pray and decree. That's the reason why he has us sitting in here. He didn't bring us here just for us to be like, oh man, church is good, and then go home and nothing happens. And then he starts to talk to us about something else that he wants to make sure that you and I don't fall trapped to is unforgiveness. Because once you get this prayer thing down to where you and God, listen, and it's going to take some time. You got to get in there. I don't care. You can't be keep looking in the mirror at your muscles and you ain't going to the gym. You better not get on the scale and you ain't going to the gym. You ain't done nothing. You've been sitting on the couch for four weeks just because you bought the treadmill and it's over in the corner. But if you don't get on it, what's the use of you going to the mirror looking in there? Ain't nothing, ain't nothing changing. You don't change your diet. Ain't nothing going to change. You are what you eat. And that's why he says this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But he says here in verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive. It's very critical for you and I to forgive. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our mind that we remember and that we will never, ever forget unless we turn it over to the Lord. And the Lord gives us the freedom to forget so something happens in our mind. He's trying to tell us something's going on inside your heart. You still haven't forgiven everybody that did you wrong because sometimes you, the, the next person keeps getting your wrath. The next person keeps getting your wrath. The next person can't get all your love. The next person can't get your grace because we're still hung up over what somebody did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And God can't be all that we need him to be because he says, listen, man, you still got something in your heart. And when you and I begin to pray, and it talks about that in Psalms 29, search me, Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And God will reveal that to you and I and say, Mark, you're still hung up from this. I thought I was over that. You ain't over that because I can see you clearly. That's the reason why you do what you do and say what you say and go where you go. You'll never step out there because of what somebody said to you. You'll never go and take off. You'll never decree anything because of what somebody said to you years ago. You've never forgiven them. So when you and I begin to talk to the Lord about some things, we got to release. We got to lay some things down. We got to take some things off. Elijah, he worried about everybody else. That he couldn't move forward. Whatever made him run is deeper than sometimes what we read. And whatever makes you and I run, everybody in the room ain't going to be able to see it because you don't talk about everything you've been through. But something stops you from taking off and running and decreeing because as a man or a woman thinks, that's what they are. That's who they are. And even though it reads that we're a child of the king, we refuse 
because of whatever's going on in our heart to act like a child of the king. So when you and I go to pray, we're going to have to lay some burdens down. Some things you and I have been carrying for a long time. Sometimes it was a parent. It was a brother, a sister, it was a close friend. It was somebody you didn't know. Sometimes things happen and sometimes you and I have to talk about them because they still haunt us to this day. And when you stand praying, forget. If you have aught against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. What does that got to do with me decreeing things? Because listen, you can't put new wine in what? <coughs> you got to be new. Something has to change about you and I. And I'm telling you, when Elijah went to that mountain and he had that one-on-one -on -one with the Lord, the same way that Moses did, something happened. He was a different Elijah, and when the Lord put him right back in front of a mountain, Jezebel was a mountain to him. He, he thought in his heart that they already killed every prophet and he was the last one. When you start seeing other men and women that, that have called upon the name of the Lord and now they're being shredded by lions or they're being hung on crosses or they're being shot like Dr. Martin Luther King for telling the truth. Sometimes, man, you'll keep your mouth shut. Right. Self-preservation is the number one rule for everything that's on the planet. Every animal, every human being, self-preservation is something that you're going to have to, you know, fight through. Because if a man loses his life, then he'll gain his life. But he don't want that. He's going to lose his life any which way. Having that relationship with the Lord. And loving God more than you love this world. I think it was in the Sunday school lesson. The problem was that people didn't love God as much as they loved the money. And money will make you make some bad choices. It's a temporary thing. It's a temporary thing. But godliness is forever. So we have to watch unforgiveness in our lives. But the ability to be like a Joshua or a Elijah and decree that means that you begin to speak things and it comes to pass I don't know if you can imagine that or not if I be a man of God when they came up to me and said hey man of God he said if I be a man of God then let fire come down and what consume you and fire came down and consumed them that means that heaven and earth are in unison that means that the enemies of us is the enemies of God. It's a covenant between us. You know how it was when we were in the street. If I called you my friend, you fight, I fight. I fight, you fight. And God is no different. He's the God of what? Covenant. So it's not according to your riches, but it's according to your daddy's riches because you're in covenant. It's like you go out there and you use your card and it goes to client. Hold on, let me move some money. So I access my daddy's account. And daddy says, wealth cometh from me. And you're like, thanks, dad. Got it. Run it again. Boom. Got it. But we don't think that way. But this man right here is living a whole nother different way. A back of two and four, I believe it is. The just, everybody that has been justified by the blood of the lamb and had their sins forgiven, lived their life by faith. Now, everybody in the room here believes that they are saved.
And there's another place where it says the faith that saved you is the same faith that'll keep you. We just don't want to transfer the funds from us believing that nobody in here could talk you out that you're not saved. If I were here, you ain't saved. You'd be like, well, please. You don't know my heart. You don't know my heart. I gave my life to Jesus. But when it comes <coughs> crosses and death, that same faith that saves you, you ain't transferring them funds from your savings account over to your credit account. For some reason, they're just not transferring over. For some reason, it's that self-preservation that you're trying to do. Your image, you're trying to preserve your image. Because to us, growing up, image was what? Everything. Who, who your name is. Oh, you know, oh, you know, Pookie and them. <laughs> Image, your name, everything meant a lot. But you got to lose all of that when it comes to the Lord. You got to lose all of that. And some of us don't want to lose it all to gain it all. But the more we begin to pray and we begin to desire these things from the Lord, the Lord is going to have to strip us of all those things that we have. Let's go back over to 2 Kings. Amen. This last commandment of the Lord for Elijah is the last one before Elijah goes on up to be with God. There's always going to be assignments for you and I. Do you know that? As long as we are walking with the Lord... As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons and daughters. He's going to be telling you, you've got to first through prayer, learn to hear his voice, and he will tell you what to do, and you have to go do it. And I'm telling you, when Elijah went over here and told those men, and you can see where the king of Israel's heart is, because he trusted in whatever else, but he didn't trust in the Most High God. Where are we at, and what do we really trust in? Do we trust in our money? Do we trust in our health? Do we trust in the way we look? Do we trust in our friendships? Do we trust in the rich man when he comes in the room? We want to be cool with the rich man, but not the poor man. It's a lot that goes on inside of our minds. Sometimes we have to thank Peter. Remember Paul got on Peter because any time that the Hebrews showed up, he wanted to distance himself from the Gentiles. Showing them that he was about that life. And Paul had to point it out like, yo, man, why are you such a hypocrite? It's little things that go on in your life and in my life that stops the Holy Spirit from moving. And whatever was going on in Elijah's life, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the stress and all that, he had to get rid of that. And, every, and, and, and death must have been something for Elijah. Because whatever it is that he was worried about, he never saw death. Some of us, we're not worried about death, but we're worried about something else. So whatever it is, when you go into prayer, you can pour your heart out. Father, I'm so worried about death to the point where he is not hiding. He is on a hill in front of the whole world. And after he gets done that, then we see the transition. Now we see the Uber coming for each and every one of us. There's an Uber coming for us, y'all. Somebody's got a chariot and they're coming for you and I. Oh, grave, where's thy hold? Oh, death, where's thy sting? Because you and I are waiting for this collision. But somebody's coming for us. 
And it's about the assignments that our Heavenly Father gives us. And it's not about strength nor by might. It's always going to be by his spirit. And that's where he anointed. Long before this happened, he already anointed Elisha to be the prophet after him. We talked about Elisha last week. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Elisha first had to realize that nothing was too hard for the Lord. Elisha didn't get an Uber ride. Elisha died from a disease in his feet. But he wasn't worried about that. Elisha never worried about that because he saw this situation happen. So he didn't have a fear of death. It was just a crossing over, a place that he looked forward to. When you and I spend time with the Lord, he has a way of rearranging our mind to where he can produce faith. And he rearranges our mind. I'm telling you, when we read uh, the, the teaching and instruction book of Moses... Everybody that read that book did some powerful things in their life. You have to understand that sometimes the enemy comes along and says, this is the New Testament, but they don't really give you any instruction on it. But when you go back to Moses, Moses begins to give you instruction on how to get. Jesus is giving his disciples instruction. He's given us the blueprint to be prosperous and have great success. And Elijah didn't have a whole bunch of money. But he had God. Peter didn't have a bunch of money. But if you ever was in his shadow, hey, you didn't have a cough no more. Paul didn't have a bunch of money. Matter of fact, he talks about that. He said, the churches didn't help me. I had to go back to making tents and stuff to try to survive. People were supposed to help me. Any Hebrew understands we take care of the Levites. He said, I didn't get no help. But he said, my help coming from the Lord. We have to read the book. But if you and I can, it's hard to do because we live in a society. We're born in the sin and we're shaped in iniquity. This phone is so powerful. The television is so powerful. You'll pick your phone up before you pick your purse or wallet up. Because you can't live without it. You're so connected to it. But if we were just as connected to the scriptures, this book of the law shall not depart out of our mouth but we should meditate therein day and night and then you and I will make our way prosperous and we'll have great success. When we read this right here, we want the success of an Elijah, of a Rahab, of a Hannah, of a Peter, of a James, of a John, but we don't want to put the time into it. And Jesus, all the time when you go through here, he was the reason why he's on his disciples. He said, you can't pray with me one hour. He says, I am the bread from heaven. When he took the physical body, he was pointing to his disciples that the word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. I was reading today when, matter of fact, when he started talking about the word scripture, he wasn't talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was talking about the book of Moses and the prophets and the writings. He said, go read those scriptures. He opened up their minds so they could understand it. And he's challenging us today because he can see what's in my heart and in your heart and how we do what changes, not only for ourselves, but for our families. We're getting older now, some of us in the room. Mm -hmm. Young people, they can't feel it like we do. But they should see us doing something with the wee hours of the morning that we have left. Y'all hear me? We can't keep doing the same old, same old. We got we to gotta run a little bit harder. We're going to lose a little bit. I'd rather lose sleep for the Lord than lose sleep doing dumb stuff. Yeah. 
And we got to push. You know how it is when you're trying to diet and you're trying to change the way you're eating to try to get better? Because mm-hmm. the older you get, you ain't running around no more like you used to. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we ain't getting that daily exercise. We eating and watching TV and rooting for the Eagles and stuff, and the Eagles ain't doing nothing for us. We need to be out there running, playing flag football or something, and leave the Eagles alone. We need to be about our father's business. That's what we should be about. Because, y'all, we don't want to get the glory, and I'll tell you all the time, to be a could have, what it should have. He promises us glory. But when you get there, you're like, man, I could have did more. I could have did more with my life. And don't be so concerned with everything that's going on down here. Be concerned with being a laborer for our Heavenly Father who allows you and I to walk around down here because he could take us home at any time. What a privilege it is for you and I to walk around down here and be able to do something with this life. So I challenge you like I challenge myself to spend that time with the Lord. To shut the television fast from the television and the phone. You're going to use the phone, use the Bible app. Challenge yourself. Instead of eating sugar, eat fruit and vegetables. Drink water for the week. It'll change something inside your body. Your body will begin to change. It's going to reject it after a while, but sooner or later it's going to smooth out. In the same way, your mind will reject the word of God at first because it's unleavened bread. It doesn't have any sin in it. So it doesn't have a taste to your mind. It's not something that, it's an acquired taste. It's something that you have to acquire over time. But after a while, it gets sweeter. Well, you, you know, make a decision for it. So I always challenge you because without faith, y'all, it's impossible to please you. That's what he's saying. Without faith, no doubt. If somebody asks you today, tell them, no doubt, man, I'm going to be there. No doubt. No doubt. And it's something that we're going to have to work on because we grew up doubting. We grew up sometimes in fear. That's the reason why we threw hands. People think you're fearless when you're throwing hands. You're so scared you're throwing hands so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the Lord tells you that he'll fight your battles. You just We don't trust him to fight our battles, so we throw hands. Right. And usually, if we leave it up to ourselves, we mess things up, don't we? We got to trust him. No matter what comes down the pike, we got to trust him and trust what he's saying. And we will be successful when it comes to life. You may not be on Forbes or whatever that is. You may not be on Sports Illustrated, but a memorial will come up before our God. A Uber driver will show up. It'll be hot, flaming vehicle, but it's one of the hottest vehicles you ever rode in. And when he says, come on, get on in, he opened that door and be like, man, this joint's hot. I ain't, I ain't know they had things like this. I was riding the Tundra for so long, I ain't know this existed. So Uber ride, man, straight to glory. It's in the book. And if you have doubt, then you might be waiting on, I don't know, DoorDash or something. Waiting on an Uber ride. If you did it for one child, daddy, you got to do it for another. He ain't got no favorites. You know that? That's one thing you can say about our Father in glory. He has no favorites. If he did it for one, he wants to do it for you and I too. Amen? Anybody else got anything on their heart today? Y'all good? Amen. Amen, y'all. Well, come on. We're going to work our way out.